Welcome into another episode of Crunch Time. I'm your host, Joe Hamilton, alongside Theo. Theo, how you doing, man? Doing good, man. Good to see you. It's uh, nice to uh, have a up here in Canada. It was family day yesterday, so we had plenty of uh, experiences outdoors, lots of outdoor activities, and we got to enjoy a little bit of last winter here, and it was a lot of fun over the past weekend, so it's good to be back. That sounds fun, man. What's the weather like up there? Oh, it's chilly this week. I'm not, not uh, you're not forgetting about winter. That's for sure. It's, uh, you know, it's a balmy eight degrees, nine degrees Fahrenheit. So it's a little chilly, but the sun's out. It's nice out. Uh, a little bit of snow fell yesterday, so it's making a little bit of fun out there in the slippery ride. So, yeah, just we're not done with the we're not done with winter just yet. Theo, I'm not calling you know a whole country idiots, but I wonder how many idiots up in Canada wear shorts in the eight degree weather. Nah, you know what? There's the couple guys that just fly back from Mexico or Cuba or Dominican that think they got to do and whatnot. So I don't uh, know. And usually by like thanks Christmas or American Thanksgiving, I'm supposed to put away. Okay, not, so you're not after March break, but I'm not one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. No. So before I'll, I usually start with the blues, I'll do that in a minute. I kind of want to start with a theory that you have, and I kind of want to call this segment, this segment I want to call uh, Theories with Theo. It actually has a nice ring to it. So let's just get this started. I have a banner up here, Theo. Tell me if you like it. That works. That works well. well. Except you spelled theories wrong, but that's all right. Dang it. <laughs> We're trying things out, ladies and gentlemen. We're trying to have some fun here, trying to up the production of this wonderful little discussion. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... Uh, yeah, so, so we last we've been talking a couple of weeks ago about viewership, how viewership is down 22 percent in the NHL and how this is an American number and how there is so many, you know, what's the NHL doing wrong? What is, you know, what, what aren't they doing? And you hinted on they're not marketing their players. People are saying they're not bringing back rivalries. Uh, the play-by-play voices just aren't the same. Uh, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go in a totally different direction on this because I'm going to look at it from the perspective of a grassroots opportunity. And here's where it's at. When you look at the big five sports, and I'll include American football, soccer, basketball, baseball, and hockey. If you look at the participation levels of children. From the ages of 6 to 11 years old, hockey is by far the least amount of participants in the United States. Secondly, when you well, look a, lot at, of, a lot of money, when you, we're, we're getting there. When you look at the value to which it costs a player to play hockey compared to the other four big five sports, it is astronomically more expensive. Third, Hockey has been marketed, you use the word marketed, and I'm going to use a word here called elitist, and it's been marketed to an elitist group of individuals who have money, time, and parents who want to put in the effort for their son or daughter to participate. Hockey has to be played more often than not on a sheet of ice. Rarely do we see a lot of a rollerblade contingent going to play ice hockey because of the expense. Now, Joe, I coached in California 15 years ago. 
I coached a nine-year-old team, a 16-year-old team. I coached a travel team. I coached a summer team. I coached a winter showcase team. I had four or five different teams under my belt within a two-year program. And I was on there for five or six years coaching entirely. The expenses were unreal. And I know they've gone up exponentially since. Ice does not come cheap. Yet you see teams, you see players, you see parents putting the efforts in for these children to play. Now, here's where the biggest crux of all comes into play. Games are played at night. Games are played on weekends. There is rarely, you know, the game, it's a season that goes from October until June. Long season, just like baseball. But when it comes time to a team to play, like last night, for example, the Rangers are playing the Jets. Sunday at 6 o'clock, or sorry, Monday night, 6 o'clock. Everybody that has an opportunity to enjoy the game of hockey is either practicing or playing, which means they're not watching the NHL. Everybody that's trying to watch their stars or watch that game already is doing it via highlights or a streaming service. And lastly, when players are on the ice, like I'm talking about grassroots players, young kids, working up through the college junior ranks, the AAA programs, the, all the feeder programs that are available, they are working more on themselves because they know that it's the 1% of the 1% that's going to make it somewhere versus the plethora of opportunities to play the other big five sports. There's no Mexican league of the NHL. Players from North America do not go to the Europe to play as much as baseball players go to the Dominican, go to China, Japan, Mexico. Look at the NFL, right? Look look at the NFL. This is a prime example. They're having two games next year in Germany. But I'm not but so look at but I'm I'm saying growing the growing the game period. That's that's where I'm going with that, Theo. Going to the game and viewing the game has to entice those that enjoy the game. Exactly. That's that's where I'm going with this. And what I'm saying is those that enjoy the game and play the game of hockey are doing so at the same time viewership is being calculated. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is my theory. So, you know, percentages aside, the NHL has tried to move into a direction that makes the streaming service available so that it's more handheld more tablet versus being stuck at home or in a place of work or an establishment to sit and watch two to three hours of a game. And that is the difficulty of marketing and the NHL, having it work at a grassroots development program so that people are more interested to play the game and make it more available. What is the, we always talk about this. What is the biggest ability to anything, whether it be a superstar, whether it be a sports, whether it be a business, an organization, it's, Ability equals availability and stability. Well, we've seen in the last three years, even in Canada, the numbers of hockey drop because it's too darn expensive. It's too darn competitive. And we don't have that system, that structure, that societal um, understanding that participation is key for a sport to grow. And that's in Canada too. So that's my theory as to why 
a sport you and I both love to watch, talk about, discuss, does not have enough prowess at the grassroots level to be promoted and to reach to the kids to say, you know what, maybe this works. Maybe this is something I can afford. But right now, it's not there. It's not there right now. And hopefully, it gets there. Because they signed these TV deals for it to get there. And I think the NHL and ESPN has been a big flop to this point. It, it now, really you, has. Well, well, you think you think that the TV deals are signed to promote hockey at a grassroots you, level? Yes, I do. Because TNT is doing a great job. TNT is doing a hell of a job. And they have their equivalent to inside the NBA with the NHL. And that that was what I, what I was worried about when they first signed TNT. Now, ESPN, get Leah Hextall off TV, off games. I'm not saying, oh, no, no, hold on. I'm being careful here. Women have every place in the world to be in there. That is not where I'm going with this. There's certain people where their voices do not belong play-by-play doing hockey. Because there are some great... I was watching the uh, uh, rivalry. How has been in the NHL? How long? Do you know how long she's been? In, she's been in hockey for over 20 years. Well, I guess I guess her voice hasn't grown on me as much as the girl ladies doing uh, uh, the rivalry series between the U.S. and Canada. They sound a lot better than Leah Hextall. And so that's looking, where I was going with this. You're looking I'm, at it as an attractive voice on air. Like Cheryl Pounders just recently come on air. Jen Botterill's been with Sportsnet for many years. Jackie Redman has never done a play-by-play. Ivana Osmak has never done a play-by-play, but yet those are two ladies that are involved in Sportsnet here in Canada. The bottom line is what you're talking about is not what is needed to make the sport more attractive. It's not about making the sport more opportunistic for kids to play. Hockey Canada, USA Hockey, the NHL, Divisional Hockey, NCAA, all of these programs are focusing on one thing, the business side of it. None of them are focusing on the participation of it. And the participation and the opportunity to play is the ball that's being dropped. That is the part that's missing. No, and, and the only reason I say it that way, Theo, is because I've heard her on a Blues game recently, and I could barely understand her. And let, maybe the mics on ESPN are not up. I don't know what it is, but if she's I, been I, in I, hockey I, 20 years, there's a reason for it. I think you're just missing the ball because, like I said, I'm not focusing on – I'm not I'm not totally focusing on that because I want to love ESPN's coverage. I do. And I do love Sean McDonough. I do like Bob Lashusen. I do like everyone else on there. Hell, even Emily Kaplan doing uh, ringside. I love that. But it's just, I don't know. It, I love everything else. They can do a lot more with Leah Hextall or, or at least have her mic level or something. That's the yeah, only think- thing. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not focusing on the broadcast. I'm not focusing on the product. I'm focusing on making the game more available to kids. I'm focusing on making the game more accessible to family. I'm focusing on the opportunity for a kid to put on a pair of skates and see if they like this game and say, you know what? We're not 
making you, we don't want to force you. We're not forcing you to become the next 87, 99, 66, 97. You're not going to, there's only one of them. But there's a heck of a group that would love to play this game and learn to love this game and watching it. And we're not doing that. Yes. What's the most expensive in terms of, I guess, equipment? Like, I shouldn't be asking that. My question should be, why is equipment so expensive? Because that's... that's... So there's, there's the other side of it, too. You look at the cost of... I mean, obviously, a hockey player wears most gear, more gear than a football player, than a baseball player, than a soccer player. If you had to if you had to rank the cost equipment alone, hockey would be one, football would be two, baseball, soccer, and then basketball. Since we're staying on theories though, why do you think it is more expensive in hockey? Because it's been, it's been able to be uh the market has been able to the market has discussed and shown that if we can charge two hundred dollars for a pair of skates, we can then charge $300 for intermediate skates and then six, seven, eight, a thousand dollars for the best skate. Back in the day when I started playing, we had access to the wooden stick at $12. Kids don't have access to the wooden stick at $12. They don't have to spend 45 to $60 on a wooden stick on a composite stick. They don't even make the wooden stick available anymore. It's very rare that you go into a sports store and you look at the stick rack, where back when I started my career, it was all wood. And I mean, was, my dad as a kid had a Victoriaville Pro back exactly. in the day. I mean, and if I look, if you give me a second here, give me one second, I'll show you the latest and greatest in technology. Pardon my deal here. You know, company out of Massachusetts. If I can yank this out of here for one Ooh, second. That, that would have been a disaster. <laughs> of course it would have been a disaster. But if you look at this. It's got grip on it. Doesn't need tape. Air flows through so the blade flies faster around a hockey puck. And then this stick right here, it's completely grippified. So you don't need to add anything to it. It's all by itself. It's all by its lonesome. The stick is worth $375. Do you think a seven-year-old can own a $375 stick? Absolutely not. Do you think a seven-year-old will compare himself to another seven-year-old for not having the same stick? Absolutely. So the market has said, you know what, we can do this. We can push the envelope farther, push the envelope farther. Instead of saying, you know what, let's give the opportunity for kids to get a set of gear for $100, $150. Give them skates, give them shin pads, elbow pads, shoulder pads, pants. Give them a jersey, get them a helmet. $150, bucks. Before we get off this, Theo, why why don't you know why soccer? Okay, let's go to soccer. You don't need much, and the thing is, that's the least expensive, right? I mean, it, all you need is a ball, cleats, and maybe a you know a uniform which they you provide don't even your need team. Cleats. You don't even need cleats. And that's the thing, Theo. If you, hockey will continue to fall unless we make it affordable. And and it's an it's not an attractive sport because it is not affordable. You just Joe, you was it, just agreed with me on that. And that's was it was it affordable when you were younger? When you, know you were younger playing, it was, it was more affordable. There was more choice to it. 
I mean, the technology hadn't come to the place where you have composite, you know, sticks and graphite Kevlar padding and JDP caps for protection and, you know, certain helmets that have to protect you from concussions and whatnot. Like all those matters weren't around in the 80s. And granted, some of the technology is important. Yes, I'll give it that. But to get a player just to get involved and to participate, there needs to be an understanding that it should not cost and it will not cost a family a lot of money to play. But kids want to play. Kids want to do it. But at the same time, if they're not doing it and they're not watching, then how are they getting better? Yeah. Exactly. Let's let's get off that because we could do a total uh, big uh, show off of that in itself. But there's a lot more things I want to talk about like this. The St. Louis yeah. Blues have been making moves, man, since we talked. I mean, I remember asking you, what do the Blues need to do to stay off that seller level? I don't think they gave a shit. I well, think they no, were. They did. No, they did. no. They I, some- meaning they no. I'm just saying in general, moving these guys. I know what they got, and I, I love what they got. I just thought, you know, being winning three games in a row, you know, you, you look like maybe you were playing the best hockey of your season, and you trade off your captain. That, that is, and Nico Mikola. Mikola, I, I liked him as a player. I really did. I mean, I still do. You know, I'll root for O'Reilly. I mean, I'm kind of a – I know you're going to laugh at me for this, but I'm kind of a Toronto fan anyway. So, I mean, it's not going to be hard to root for Ryan O'Reilly. Um, no. And Nico Mikola, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him defensively. Um, Theo, I guess my conversation with you last week is moot because that night they made the trade. I mean, literally 8.30 at night, they made a damn trade. I'm like, and we what? we spoke on Friday. Like, it's not like a full week passed. Like, yeah. Like, we were like... We were chatting about this and like we were foreshadowing the fact that Ryan O'Reilly and Olakiari is going to Toronto. The one player you didn't want to leave left, and Ryan O'Reilly was, you know, I think Ryan O'Reilly is the one player that Toronto wanted to attract and get because they missed the Joe Thornton and, uh, oh, what's his name from Ottawa? Oh, I just drew my, I had it on the tip of my tongue. They had Joe Thornton, and they had that other player from Ottawa who were veterans, and they're no longer with the Leafs because they both retired. They missed that veteranship to work with Johnny Tavares. Was that Alfredson, maybe? No, no, not Alfredson. No, no he was – he, he was Canadian. Yeah. It'll come to me in a okay. second. Okay. Um, but, the Theo, I mean, you trade Tarasenko. I don't know. Did we talk about that before? You trade Tarasenko. You and did, you did talk about the fact that he went to New York. Yeah, he he went to New York and he went on a three game winning streak. Yeah. So I I know what the Blues are doing. I just hate the fact that there's a I mean a retool coming. I I just I, at least I hope it's just a retool, especially when you get this many first round picks. What do they have three now? And there's a potential to maybe get four if you trade with Carolina. And you've got a second and you've got a second and a fourth upcoming too. I mean. You're creating a stable of young kids potentially to join the Blues organization, or you're attracting other teams with all of these picks to say, you know, we we still want to be competitive next year. We want to do a retool, but we want to retool it with three, three or four year veterans, not brand new rookies. 
like no i mean i'm fine with doing because you're gonna have 15 million on the off the books next year well that was even before o'reilly and tarasenko left so they could be more now so the blues have some wiggle room there but be interesting to see barbershop can he get you what can he get you a second round pick maybe I mean, I think for Barbashev, you trade for a defenseman, you trade for someone that's, you know, who's going to, you're trading second line for second, third line efforts there. You're not trading for a first line quality. No, no, I, I get that, man. I mean, it's, unless he could play on the first line, you're not going to get a first line player. Um, you know, uh, also, there are thoughts of maybe Colton Pareko, because Colton Pareko, shockingly, has gotten a lot of interest. A lot of interest. We that's have- interesting to me. Like, we have five to seven games per team left before the trade deadline. And, you know, it'll be an interesting week and a bit before that happens. And there are some teams that are going to be making moves. Absolutely. And for a team like Carolina or a team like Boston or a team like Los Angeles, for example, they're still looking for some defense depth. Colton Pareko might be on their radar. Well, you say depth, and this is a guy that was billed to be the number one defenseman that would replace Petrangelo, and he clearly has not done that here, at least. My biggest fear, and this is everyone's biggest fear as a fan, I'm sure you have that with the Jets. We'll talk about the Jets in a second. I just want to know if they have interest in anything. Uh, But my biggest fear is he goes to wherever he goes, if he does get traded and becomes that guy that we thought he was going to be. And that will piss me the hell off because like, you know what I mean, Theo, don't you have that fear sometimes like you trade a guy and I, you know, back in the day, I remember when we had Chris Draper and Chris Draper went to the Detroit Red Wings and Chris Draper was that third line mucker that clicked in a system that was fantastic with the Detroit Red Wings. And I look back at that trade back in the late 80s. I said, man, what did we do? And I look at what we did with picking up Chris King and Ty Domi and what we gave away for that. And then the ultimate of ultimate ugliest trades ever in Winnipeg Jets franchise history. Oleg Tevardovsky and Mike Ruchin for Timu Stalani. One of the best trades in hockey history. For the Anaheim Ducks, absolutely. Like, <laughs> you had a shake there. I mean, I love going to Timu's restaurant in Laguna. Don't get me wrong, but I wish he was still a Winnipeg Jet back in the day. But the market didn't allow for it. He didn't reach his – he reached his ceiling in Winnipeg. And then he went above and beyond that ceiling and went through the roof, through the loft, into space with the Ducks. And I'm not disrespecting or disregarding what Timu did with Anaheim. It was just a business move. That went awful for Winnipeg. Yeah, it was awful for Winnipeg. Um, I mean, I guess you could have gotten a, a better deal for him, at least uh, if you were going to trade him, because obviously we, you, you know, were going we to. We, because the owner of the Jets, I don't know if you know about this, but the owner of the Jets at the time um, did not allow for the Winnipeg Jets to have a top two-thirds salary for an NHL franchise. Barry Shanker had an agreement with the Winnipeg City that their city taxes would be taken care of if they were able to show that the salary of the NH- of the Winnipeg Jets was in the bottom third of the NHL. And in doing so, he got tax write-offs. 
Jason Spezza was the guy's name I was looking for. Oh, I liked Spezza. I really Spezza did. And Thornton is the replace. Is O'Reilly is the replacement of Thornton and Spezza. Whether or not that works, I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah, we shall see on that. Now, Theo with the Jets, do they have any interest on anyone? I mean, you know, it's such a the the. I'm scared because I really love Pierre Luc Dubois in a Jets jersey, and I really would like to see him re-sign with the Jets next year. The problem is, the national media has all but said it's done that he's going to Montreal in the offseason. French guy going back there, going to play there. He's having a tremendous year. He's going to eclipse his record or his points record scoring for the year, this year. Uh, he is a great 200-foot player, a phenomenal force down the middle. He is not a plug-and-play renter kind of guy. He's been in this system since the trade with Line. He got his feet a little bit wet in that first year, but then really came to shape this year. He really has shown to be a formidable force and a key part of this Winnipeg Jets run so far. He has developed some really good chemistry with some of these players. As far as I'm concerned, if the Jets aren't winning in the next year or two, there will be a dismembering of this team. I really do. You've got Mark Shifley coming off as a UFA in a year. You're going to have to start looking at re-signing. Why? Uh, Theo, but why? Because look at where they are right now. They're winning. They're not They're not where the Blues were. They're not, at the time, well, six points out of a playoff spot. Well, they've got the- about a $9 million cap space, $15 million when you consider coming in to the uh, trade deadline. The players that they want to attract – don't want to come to Winnipeg. That's the other side of it, too. Yeah, and yeah. Winnipeg, I mean, what's in Winnipeg? That's probably what they're thinking. Like, what's in Winnipeg for my family? Like, if I, if I, if I go to Winnipeg. From a, but the, from a rental perspective, the only thing you need in Winnipeg is an opportunity to win a Stanley Cup. No, but I'm talking, like, in terms term, of a free eight. Yeah, I'm, I, what's in Winnipeg? Long-term, different things. I mean, uh you know, what I mean, obviously, you have restaurants. I mean, you work at one, probably one of the exclusive restaurants from what I've seen with a menu. But yeah, I mean, Winnipeg is attractive in the fact that it's a gateway to the outdoors. You know, you can get out of the city quickly. You can enjoy your fishing. You can enjoy your hiking. You can enjoy your winter sports. You can enjoy a lot of what the outside allows, gives to you to offers. Uh, city itself, I mean, it's just it's just like every other city. I mean, there's some great attractions, but for a family, I mean, families have to make sure there's good school programs, there's entertainment that can happen within the city or close vicinity of. I think Winnipeg does that and attracts it. But for and you know, visiting teams will say, "Oh, Winnipeg's a terrible city to come visit because they don't spend any time here." Like, what are they doing? They're not they're not looking to get in trouble. They're not going to the establishment that you did 20 years ago. There's no point in doing that. You know, the player attitude has changed drastically in the last 10 years to say, okay, we're going to a visiting town. Let's go find the, you know, let's go find the peelers and the hot, the hot restaurant and let's do this and that. And let's get some, gets blow off some steam and then let's go. Let's play a hockey game. Hockey players don't do that anymore. They don't do that on the road. You know, like. I mean, they probably have a team dinner. I mean, if they get in uh, oh, yeah. off of, family. of course an family off family. day, if dinner. they get in on an off day. They get an off day, they have a team dinner, they have a team outing, 
maybe a team building thing, something like that. But they aren't doing the over and above like they used to. I mean, 2015, 2016, we used to have every visiting team pop into the bar all the time. They do what they got to do, do what they have to do to get some steam releases, whatever. They're either after the game or the night before blowing off some steam, and then they're out playing a game and they're doing their things. When I was in Anaheim with the LA, with the Ducks and the, the Kings, you'd see players come in all the time and just blowing off some steam, getting rid of some mustard. Oh, my God, I got to fly to Edmonton to go play a, you know, a Stanley Cup final kind of thing. Sure. You know, that's what guys did. Not anymore, though. They stay in their rooms. They stay to themselves. They know that the outside world has 50,000 sets of cameras on them now. So that if they go out and they get into trouble, it will be on social media. You know, they just don't have the time and they don't have the effort for that. And the PR guys for the team just saying, hey, don't do this because you're going to get in trouble. And that's totally fine. And it's smart because, hey, you're making millions of dollars. You're going to throw away your career for one night? Really? We see what happens in the exactly. NFL when you do that. Ask Dana White what happens to New Year's Eve when you have too many cameras on you. You know, like, it just it's unfortunate that we're looking to explicit – and show off the behaviors of a few and not worrying about ourselves and what we need to do for ourselves. Yeah, it's, it's rather unfortunate. And hopefully, I mean, you'll have the, your idiots out there that will still get into trouble, but it's, it's not as much. And that's a good thing for the NHL. It doesn't open up a, a black, black eye or anything. So, um, Theo, let's get into uh, baseball because baseball is coming man there's a couple of things i want to talk about first i kind of will get into this um there's a battle brewing in center field in st louis it's dylan carlson or tyler o'neill tyler o'neill has been your left fielder the last few years that's interesting to me because you have number one prospect in jordan walker coming uh coming or uh waiting in the wings and the thing is He's only had a few innings in AAA. I don't think he's ready. I I don't. You you can't you can't rush these prospects, man. You you just can't do it. Um, Carlson, I can see because Carlson plays a very good center field. Okay, very good center field. But I think Tyler O'Neill's arm, and you you've seen his arm. You've seen him throw. I I think he's suited for a corner outfield spot. And knowing Lars Newtbar has let right field locked down. Put him in left field. I mean, what, what what's the harm in that? That that's just my opinion. So uh, Theo, you don't watch the Cardinals on a regular basis, but you kind of know these guys because you've seen highlights. Whatever. Do you agree with me on O'Neill? On his arm should be a corner outfield spot. If you're looking, f- not from a bat perspective, because if both the guys in the lineup, you want them to bat as best as possible. So I'm not going to yeah go right right. We're not touching plates. We're talking strictly defense here. The two things yes. I look for that are different between a left fielder and a center fielder is range and arm strength. He touched on the arm strength. Now, you're going to put Carlson above O'Neill in arm strength, correct? No. I'm putting O'Neill above Carlson in arm strength, but, but but not by much. And you need your best arms in the corner outfield spots okay. because then they can, point, they can catch yeah, and throw, I mean, throw home. Absolutely, yeah. You know, the amount of balls that get hit straight center field, I mean, who has the better range? Who's got the better wheels? 
That's a tough I one. O- I would take O'Neal on that one, just to say. I would take O'Neal with the better wheels. He is quick for a dude that looks like he does. And you I mean, you think a guy is muscle bound? Maybe that's the point that kind of pushes him over the top. I mean, you have to like the angles to different parks have in the corner field spots are drastically different when you play on the road, and you play eighty-two game, eighty-one games on the road. So knowing the corners, understanding the ball, the way it can bounce off and do that, very difficult to do. In your own ballpark, you play the same one over and over. Center field spot doesn't change very often. It's very rounded, like a circle out there. You don't have the random. There's a couple of ballparks where you got some indents there. But for the most part, it's a fairly simple, long distance, 400 feet to the wall, center field. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, I would agree with you. So who's going who's gonna to cover the geography of center field better? And I'm going to take O'Neill over Carlson on this. Now, arm strength, but you said like it's a 9.8.5. Okay. Like it's really not going to be that much of a difference, really. Um, the cutoff man is going to be your key, right? On a th- you're going to get some throws to home, sure. But for the most part, you know, I have no problem seeing which ones. I mean, the other thing is this. I mean, if you can have both those guys in the field, you can swap them in and out. You could swap them to center and swap them to left. There's not. I don't know if there's an issue with that at all. I mean, you right. know, there's left field quite a bit. So if he really doesn't like center and Carlson's, you know, showing that he really doesn't like left, well then, don't keep forcing the idea. Flip him. It'll be interesting to see what they because uh, one of those guys are going to be in the World Baseball Classic in time. O'Neill playing for Team Canada. So that that that'll be interesting in itself. I don't know how much of a look um Tiger O'Neill can get in center field. I mean, they'll have probably a few games before they have to go and play for Team Canada or Team USA, whatever wherever they're at. Because the Cardinals have a lot of players playing in the World Baseball Classic. So it'll be interesting to see. There's gonna be a lot more battles. And a lot more, I guess, how do I say this? There's going to be a lot, a lot more of an eye on these prospects, in which this is the kind of spring training I love. You know what I mean? You I know what you got in the veterans. Go, go ahead. Yeah, but you said that. You said it, you hit the nail on the head there. It's a different spring training for these players because they're wrapping their minds around playing for country in a World Baseball Classic as opposed to playing for their team and their organization during spring training in Grapefruit League. So how many of these players are going to forego grapefruit action to play for their country? And will they be able to get back into a quote-unquote game shape or readiness for the start of the season at the end of, was it, beginning of April? Uh, end of March. March 30th, yeah. I believe. Oh. Something like that, 28th that's, that's or 30th. That's right there. That's where you're going okay. to have to look at the players and see what's, you know, how many games are you going to miss? And is this going to be, you know, a replacement to grapefruit action? Now, my other question to you is, how much is Manny Machado worth? Because here's the thing. He's going to opt out at the end of the season. He's already said that. Um, From what I've read online, and now online, I get it. I get it. Don't believe everything you see online. But this is actually, I think, a good source. 
He's looking for 10 years at $400 billion. I would not pay him that. I wouldn't pay him anywhere near that at this point in his career. My my thing is, why would you opt out at the age you are now? That, that makes no sense at all. It's not like he's a young player anymore. He's not old by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not young either. So... I, I don't quite understand his thinking, and I don't know why he thinks he's worth that type of money. Greed. My dad said it. Greed. Greed. That's the only way I can decipher Manny Machado right now. You know, it's funny when you talk about players opting out of contracts, defining what they're worth, and it's like looking at the, you know, it's looking at a toy store, for example, and you're buying a you're buying a game console and you buy the game console and you have for two or three years and you say, you know what? No, I'm going to put that one back on the shelf. I'm going to put it back on the shelf with the same price tag or a higher price tag, even though it's been played a bit, even though it's been used a bit and even I've shown its quality, but I'm going to put it back and I'm going to get another one. I'm going to look to see if it's worth more. It's not vintage just yet. You can't call Manny Machado vintage. Lord knows you're not going to pay ballpark dollars for a vintage player like that and after his prime Manny Machado is still in his prime but the Padres have a lot of players as we saw recently this past August they have a lot of players that should be in their prime soon and they're valuing each other based on each other's play and I don't know if that's a smart move for an individual player to stay with San Diego but I don't think it's the right move and I don't think it's the, I don't think it's honoring your contract. And I think we're getting away from that side of things by saying honor the deed till the deed is through. And I don't think, it yeah, should be, I don't I, think it should be allowed. I don't like the opt outs. I think they need to take, take opt outs out of contracts. You go somewhere Why for a long a period of time. You're there. That's it. Well, well, Theo, the thing is, it's a contract. You're not supposed to renege on it in the I'm, middle I'm of a damn contract. I'm, I'm, you know, why, and, have, why have the opportunity for who – who invented the opt-up? Like, you know, that's a very good like saying, you know what, question. Uh, it's like, you know, it's like saying opt-out equals divorce. But <clears throat> you still get half of what you get into it. Whereas an opt-out, you get nothing. You just get what you get and you're out. There's no baggage with it, which maybe there should be. Right. You know, if you play, if you sign a 10 year deal and you have an opt out for five, you know, you made $180 million in those five years, you got to pay back 90 million to opt out. You only made 90 million. There's your opt out because you're not honoring the rest of your contract. Why is there no penalty for an opt out? There is none. Oh, you get to lose the rest of your salary for the years you didn't play? It's not a penalty because you're making more anyway. The salary salary caps are going up. Salary expenses are going up. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no like, bad thing about for from the player's perspective. If they think they want to opt out and go somewhere else, then there's no penalty for it, which there should be. And it shouldn't be a team's penalty. It should be a player's penalty. It should be ten million dollars. No, it should be 50% of what you made. No, I mean, Manny I'm just Machado. saying. Like, okay, so what? Like, Manny Machado was so 90 million? 
whatever is whatever you made in this. So let's say you make 180 million. Let's let's see. Let's say you make uh, 180 million five for five years. Okay. Okay, and you've played two of those five years. I'm talking ten year contract here, Theo. I'm 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 sticking with Machado. Okay. Let's say you made 180 million for five years. Yeah. Over the five years that you didn't opt out. After that, that ninety million should go. I, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Back to the In team. fact, I'm going to ask those ask that question on a on a baseball page, just just, just to hear that? what people have to say because that's interesting right there. Bryce um, Harper, Bryce Harper with the Phillies, or my boy Trout with the Angels. He doesn't have an opt out. He doesn't have a no. He has a no trade clause, so he's right. there. He he was smart, or the team was. Smart. He was smart. Well, no, well, he was too, because you sign that big of a contract, you should stay there. So it was smart on both. Well, smart on both ends. It will only be yeah. smarter if the Phillies win a World Series. We'll get into the uh, division breakdowns here as we get closer to the season, but yeah. it only makes sense that kind of contract, Theo, since you brought that up, if the Phillies win a World Series. Yeah, that's it. Same thing with the Trey Turner contract. Win a World Series. I don't care. You can have you can have a star-studded. You could have an All-Star team for all I care, but that doesn't mean you're gonna win the World Series. Win a damn World Series. Look, look what San Diego's done. The Padres have been the most trendy team in baseball outside of the Phillies the last three four years. They haven't done shit yet. Yeah, make the playoffs, but you got to do something in the playoffs. You have to, you have to at least go to the NLCS within those last three or four years, then advance to the World Series. I'm sorry, Theo. Hey, and one you. thing I would say, one thing I would say though that I would agree with this is you have a you have a shortstop playing in the outfield in uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. when he comes back, he's going to be playing the outfield, so. Maybe that has something to do with it. I, I don't know. But if this is purely a money thing, he can just shut the hell up now. I mean, come on. You, you, you're you a great player, but you're not going to be great for that long. You can't you can't go and steal an organization's money. You can't do that. Remember when, a lot of players do. I mean, when, uh, I'm going to go back to hockey here real quick. Okay. Before you go there, I, I got to go back to hockey. Look at what the Blues did when they signed uh, Patrick Berglund. He basically stole money from the St. Louis Blues. Okay? If you sign Manny Machado, if you if he opts out, which he's going to, and signs for an unbelievable term in terms of 10 years, he's basically stealing money from your organization. But go ahead, Theo. That, that's just my thought right there. Yeah, I mean, you talk about players and their, their pride and their, what they feel like they're worth. and I mean... I've never agreed with an opt-out plan unless something was really, really sour. But, I mean, to opt out for the player's benefit and they seek no penalty other than just because they feel like they're worth more money, I'm sorry, they don't sign a 10-year contract. You know, and, you know, that's the give and take of it is saying, hey, you want, you know, $300 million for 10 years, just a couple years back, okay, then sign for that 10-year deal. And no, you're not getting an opt-out because we want you here for 10 years. 
We want you to buy in as part of this program. And if you don't want to be here, then let's bring it down to eight or bring it down to six. You know, let's do that. But your, your guaranteed years of money should not be allowed and contingent on the fact that you can opt out after three or four or six years. I mean, you look at, you know, the, the power in the outfield, Tatis Jr., you know, Machado, you got uh, the guy from Washington that just signed last year that's slipping my brain too, you know, that didn't show. Well, well, Juan Soto, and he hasn't, Juan Soto, and yeah, the thing is, is a full year of Juan Soto, that could be a very good thing for San Diego. It could be a very bad thing for San Diego, yeah, for I all mean, we know. I mean, that there could be a lot of ego on that team right now. I mean, that's... Of course. It kind of reminds me of the 2010 Dodgers. When they signed uh, Alex Rodriguez to the left side on the same position as Derek Jeter. Jeter wasn't giving up. But they won a World Series, didn't they? Of course he did. But Theo, the the Yankees won a World Series, though, didn't they? Only one. I understand that, but they won right away. The side of that infield was huge. Thing is, though, Theo, I mean, they won one World Series. They won one World Series. I get it, but it's... The World Series. What has San Diego done? Nothing. They've done squat. At least the Yankees in that time won one World Series. At least, you know, and you can make the same argument about the, about the damn Phillies. What have they done since Bryce Harper signed there? Been to the playoffs twice, maybe? That's it? Well, didn't they, weren't they in the finals? I mean, I'm sorry. Year? No, uh, yeah, they were in the World Series last year. This should be a year where... I mean, I hope my I hope the Cardinals get there, but I have my doubts on that one. But <laughs> um, to be a year for the Philadelphia Phillies to advance, this should be a year for the San Diego Padres to advance. Uh, that was a series last year. I expect that to be a playoff series again this year, Phillies and Padres. I expect that fully to happen again this year. Nola against Nola Part Two. That's that's what I think should happen. So. Um, Theo, before we get out of here, um, I, we could talk for hours on this, but we got more shows too, so we can we can clearly talk about this as we keep going. Um, before we get out of here, I got a shout out, and I usually don't do this. Congrats to the Singles Battlehawks. <laughs> Being down what they were, I know the XFL. A lot of people are like, no, the XFL sucks. Well, it is a feeder league for the NFL, so that's how it's being treated. And A.J. McCarron, the three-fourths of that game looked absolutely awful. Absolutely awful. It looked like it looked like uh, Ryan Leaf for the first three or four quarters. Mm-hmm. Fourth quarter, they were down 15-3. to three. They were down 15-3. to three. They come back and win that game against the uh, San Antonio Brahmas in the Alamo Dome. That was interesting to see a team play in the Alamo Dome. I couldn't believe that that was still standing. Uh, wow, but that, that's my shout-out. That's what's your like shout that. out? I'm gonna say, you know, it's shout out to the NFL teams that have to deal with franchise tags for the next little bit. Opening of a franchise tag, and good luck to Baltimore and what they decide to do with our good pal there in Lamar. And uh, yeah, other than that, it's, uh, just it's gonna be an interesting couple of comments about that. And hopefully, uh, Mr. Rogers is okay out of his uh, blackout scene. He had dark retreat. Like, and, uh, what's the point of a black dark retreat? What the? Uh, I've never heard of that in my life. And no, I'm a Packer I've done, fan. I, mean, I can't I do, stand that. Guy I do anymore. the odd, uh, what you would call it, the float. I do float spas once in a while, where I'll go sit in a chamber that's you know salt water and close the door and contemplate life for like 90 minutes. But that's about as far as I can go. Maybe two hours at most. 
But uh, yeah, I don't know if I could do four days in solitude, confinement, and getting fed through a crack. No, can't do that. I'd like to know that process. What what he actually did? Did he go to a prison? Oh, did he did he? <laughs> oh man, yeah, we could we could talk for so much, so many hours on that. So, uh, fourth Theo, I'm Joe. Thank you guys. Wait, what were you gonna say? No, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, fourth Theo, I'm Joe. Thank you guys for watching. Until next week. Have a great rest of your week, a great weekend, and a great start to March. I mean, believe it or not, Theo, it's 60 degrees out there. In in February, we haven't really had a winter here, which scares me for yeah, April. I but know that. Yeah, I know, I know. But, hey, I can brag, but I'm not going to be that guy. But have a great week, everybody. Peace.